Unlabeled Leadership is a volunteer service. We appreciate our guests for their stewardship and remarkable stories. We also appreciate listeners like you who back the show with star reviews and contributions. Gary DePaul with Unlabeled Leadership. Welcome to episode 139. Catherine McCord is inclusive and embraces diverse needs. Here's a shout out to listeners in Uruguay, Bratislava, Slovakia, and in the United States, Glendale, Wisconsin, Pearl River, New York, and Ann Arbor, Michigan. With that, let's get started. It's one thing to embrace diversity, but it's something altogether different when you're able to make a contribution to the DEI field. Catherine is that person. She is the president of Titan Management, a recruiting and consulting organization, and she invented an anti-bias application tracking system called Titan ATS. Catherine is the podcast host of Career Launch Live. She's known for her advocacy of promoting neurodiversity, which you can learn more about by watching some of her shows. In a future Unlabeled Leadership episode, I'll have her back on to talk about neurodiversity, what it means, and why it's crucial for your organization. A number of people have recommended her. One wrote, I reached out to Catherine for an informational interview as I admired her experience and expertise within the space of HR and neurodiverse advocacy. She's an HR disruptor as she advocates for true inclusivity from ATS biases to workplace accommodations. And of course, ATS stands for Applicant Tracking System. I recommend that you look on LinkedIn and find Catherine's podcast series. Part one, resilience and determination. In my book, Nine Practices of 21st Century Leadership, I describe 26 leadership beliefs that are derived from a series of leadership books. One of them is helping others figure out their development enhances their ability to contribute. Sometimes just being supportive and giving an occasional nudge helps a person with their growth. It's a way of, and the principle is, encourage growth. In this story, Catherine shares something that one of her parents said. Here's Catherine. Growing up, I was really lucky because I had phenomenal parents and a very fascinating family that all kind of pitched in to make sure that I had all the education I could possibly have, all the confidence I could possibly have. I can't say enough how the impact that it's made in my life to come from such remarkable people and and to have those examples. One of the things that sticks out the most to me when I was young and I started struggling with mental health concerns, I didn't know what to do with that. I was young and it would just kind of cripple me. And I didn't like that. I like to be productive and do things and and be active and be reliable. My father sat me down and he had, had had his own battles and he talked to me and he said, you know how we always tell you that you can do anything you want to do? And I said, yeah. He said, you can control this. He said, you can learn it and you can control this and not let it master you. 
but you can be the master of your mental health. And that really stuck out to me. And it made an enormous impact in my life. There's such a tendency when overwhelming things happen in life, whether it's an event, whether it's an illness, a life traumatic experience. I mean, even as little as breaking a leg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The effect can be lasting, but the resilience is something that's typically learned over time and just giving it is that encouragement and that perspective, that's huge. It was huge. And, and I've, I've used that when COVID happened and everything was shut down, when struggles would happen at work with business, when I was discriminated against in a past job, I always use that, that I had the choice to master the situation versus the other way around. I could control my response to this. That was just so very powerful to me. And it's had such a major impact on me. There's a lot of control. People say, well, you can't control your emotions, but you can control you can. your thinking. <laughs> you can you can control how you think about right. the situation and your emotions will respond or it will be a reaction yes. to how you view the situation. Yeah. What I learned was, is yeah, you'll have that initial emotional response of yep. you know, whatever it is, you know, to whatever situation, but it's okay because you can think yourself through it. And you can get yourself to a healthier place. I took my father's advice and I learned exponentially. I did a lot of research. I worked with psychologists on different exercises. I really built up a skill set based on my father's advice that's allowed me to develop very healthy coping skills, to develop ways to really exude perseverance. And it's all due to that mentality that you can choose your overall response to the situation, whether it's medical. And I have the body of basically an 80 year old. I swear my body is always, always falling apart. I could go head to head with, with my grandparents on medical conditions. So it's just whatever it is that you have going on, you can not only master your response to it as outside of that initial emotional response, right? We're all going to have that, but you can choose the overall way that you perceive it and the way that it affects you and then use it. I've used all the nonsense that's gone on in my life, whether it was medical, mental health, discrimination, any world events that I thought were crazy, witnessing decades of discrimination and hiring. I've used all of that to fuel me, to fire me, to help me grow, sharing. I'll get on camera with my twitches. You know, I have a seizure disorder and I'll let that show on camera because I think it's important. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's important to let people see. And, and so I've just taken that and now it's part of my career. It's part of my job. So just, you know, taking hold and running with it. The other thing I was thinking of when you were talking about this is this whole concept of resilience. If you interpret a situation in a particular way, and it's devastating. And this is really true, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you just have setback after setback. If you're an author and you, right. back in the traditional days, you submit your book to get it published and you get rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected. It wears on you. It does. You can shorten that period of time in which you're overwhelmed, you're devastated, you're taken back. You don't have to do it for a month. You could recover after a week or a few days right. and you could right. shorten it. The faster you're able to allow yourself to go through the motions and experience, the sooner you can bounce back and try again. 
yeah, that's the way that you find success. Everybody out there that's truly successful will tell you that. You read it from everybody. (laughs) Actually, I can't even think of a non-example that every successful person from Oprah Winfrey to Elon Musk, they've all been knocked down time and time and time and time and time again. But it's that they got back up and said, no, I'm going to keep going. And that's what did it. They're again, mastering their responses to whatever it was that was going on with them. It's easy to get downtrodden. It is. I do want to acknowledge too, I think it's perfectly healthy to give space to those kind of feelings. Yes. I do. I I think that is very important and very healthy, but you don't dwell on it. That's where it gets unhealthy. It's just about honoring those feelings, giving, processing any grief, any frustrations, finding healthy outlets for any anger, and then march it on and keep it on with your greatness. That's it. That's what it's about. And I learned that from my dad. Part two, bouncing on a ball. From that list of 26 leadership beliefs, there's a few that you just might find relevant for this next story. The first is, leadership is action that focuses on others and not the actor. The second is, leading well is about empowering others. And the third, if you change the conditions in which others operate, you can change their behaviors. Catherine shares a leadership story that I think you can appreciate. Again, here's Catherine. I am very big into the inclusion space. A lot of yeah. <laughs> if you've ever seen any of my, my lives or anything like that, everybody knows that. It is the basis for my work. I've gotten to be on some pretty incredible leaders over the years, and I've really gotten to learn a lot. One of the best leaders I've ever known in terms of employee management is actually my husband. Very proud of that fact. I've gotten to watch him work many times um, in multiple capacities. At one point, we were working in basically the same general space. There was a, a trio of companies and I was over one and he was over another. And we moved one of his employees over to my group. I poached from him, which is super rude. I just want to throw that out that I stole <laughs> one of my husband's best producers for my own department, but I did. And so... <laughs> I got this guy over there and he was a phenomenally talented person, just really, really talented and very much ADHD. And he made me nuts. (laughs) I didn't know what to do with him. I didn't know how to train him. I couldn't teach him and I couldn't get the production out of him. So I walked over to my husband and I said, what do I do? I'm failing. All these other people, I've got them trained. There were some different neurodiversities in there too. I was failing with this guy and I knew it was me because I had seen what he could do. My husband smiled. He just walks out onto the floor. He walked over to where we were. He said, hi, you know, hey, so it's not going to say the guy's name, but he's, you know, hey, how are you doing? He goes, where's your yoga ball? And I looked at him. I said, what? (laughs) He said, where is his yoga ball? The guy looked at him and he said, I didn't know if I was allowed to bring it. He said, yeah, you are. They went over, they got his yoga ball, moved his desk chair, and he sat there on his yoga ball bouncing up and down. And that's how he sat and he would start working. He said, and then this is how he learns this. And this is how he kind of showed me some different things. I looked at him and I said, how did you know to do this? How did you, how did you figure this out? He looked at me and he goes, did you ask him? Ah. I never 
had a bigger aha moment in my life (laughs) than, duh, why didn't you ask the guy how he needed to learn (laughs) or what he needed in order to be functional at work? So I had this just amazing opportunity to then go back to everybody and go, okay, what would help you to work better? What do you need? And I did that with each individual and the production shot up astronomically. I went into another situation where I built up a recruiting department from the ground up. Every single person that came in, I said, what do you need to be the most effective at work? Whatever that was, without question, (laughs) that's what I gave them. I even had a guy tell me that he needed one of those flipping laptops with the touchpad and all that so that he could walk and work. Mm, Okay. And we gave it to him and it worked. (laughs) That idea that, as my husband would say, lead equally, but individually. Yes. You know, right? Right? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Equally, but individually. Stepping up and watching the production that that increased, the the innovation that that made, the comfort, the happiness, the work satisfaction, it made such a difference in how I lead and now how I consult as my career has continued to grow. That was just remarkable to me, that aha moment. (laughs) Did you ask him? (laughs) Like, oh, right. Duh. You know? James C. Hunter, well, he wrote a few books. One of them was The Servant. In there, he talks about leadership. And one of the things he talks about is one of the purposes of leadership is to remove barriers. Mm-hmm. So it's enabling other people. Yes. But you got to know what those barriers are. And I I love the story because if you don't know what, if someone's having barriers or you don't know if they're having troubles or if they're struggling or how their performance is, you ask. Yeah. And I love it. It's, it's so simple. It is. It's so easy. It's so simple. It was just such an extraordinary moment. And then also, you know, I've, I do a lot of research on, on this type of thing. And I read an article in psychology today about the importance of the human mind being able to function the way it's naturally designed to function with all of the different neurodiversities and all of that out there. People have different needs from equipment to learning styles and training styles to actual styles of work. Everybody has different needs. And when they're allowed to work in that fashion, they will automatically be more productive and they'll be happier. So it solves the problem of production and increasing production and also employee retention all in one little swoop. There's an underlying leadership principle that's, it sounds simple, but so many people don't get it. Put others first. I know. One way of doing that is by understanding their situation, who they are, what they're about, believing in them, which is another principle. When you are able to put other people first and let them express what they need rather than just assuming it, then just as you said, productivity changes for everyone. It does. Yeah, it absolutely does. And people are actually happy. What a novel concept, happiness at work. Oh, heaven forbid. (laughs) Go, just, what are we thinking? (laughs) Part three, inclusiveness, learning, and firing. We all can improve on how we lead. And Catherine has some practical advice that can help us. And she shares it from the perspective of all her work in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Here's Catherine with her advice. 
one of the first things that people always ask me is, well, how do I build an inclusive culture? How do I make sure that there's inclusion? The honest truth is that it's a whole culture. The biggest piece of that is willingness to learn and evolve. Your culture has to be about learning and evolution and not evolution like what we learned about in school. <laughs> yeah. You know, evolving your culture. What I tell people is start with embracing different. Embrace different. Don't ask everybody to be the same. Don't try to put everybody into a box. It doesn't work. <laughs> that is just factual. It reduces productivity. It creates unhappiness in the workplace. Stop doing it. Start with embracing different, celebrating different. Don't just celebrate holidays in whatever country you're in. Ask everybody, hey, what do you celebrate? Let's talk about it. Let's do a thing for that. Let's celebrate that for you. Don't set up dress codes that are culturally oppressive. Don't do things like that. Yeah. And talk to people. Be willing to learn so that when somebody comes to you and they tell you, hey, this made me uncomfortable. Don't justify it to them as to why it wasn't a big deal. I see that all the time, <laughs> all the time. Which is a defensive reaction. It is. It is. Yes. As leaders, that's not what you ought to be doing. <laughs> you, your job is to take care of your people. Just going through those steps of listening, learning, evolving. And I will tell you the biggest piece of advice that I have for anyone who wants to make sure that their culture is truly inclusive and truly breeds safety and excitement for work and a healthy culture is fire the jerk, whoever they are, <laughs> fire them. I don't care if they're your top producer, fire them. That jerk is, although we're labeling the person, but that person's behavior is mm -hmm. pulling the rest of the company down. So yeah, maybe that it's person true. is a high performer, but it's lowering the performance of the people around her or him. That's correct. Absolutely. Yes. And I do like to make sure that people, because I've had people always use the him for the jerk. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Trust me. There are female jerks out there too. Let me, let me rest. Let me put your mind at ease about that. I've seen plenty of them as well, but they've got to go. There's always a hesitancy with that or, oh, I need to keep coaching them. Well, maybe start with the coaching, but if they don't respond to it, fire them. It's not worth it. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your investment into somebody who doesn't want to do better. That's my tip. Number one is, is build a preemptively inclusive culture, fire the jerk. Kind of the other one for leadership is learn, never stop learning, read, go to seminars and, and go to things about subjects about which you're kind of ignorant. Oh, okay. I don't know what this is. I need to learn about this. Don't keep reading the same things over and over again about things you already know. I mean, it's good to, to stay sharp. That's fine, but learn, branch out, learn new things. Because the more that you do that, it's going to set you up for success with your people, with the problems that arise. And it's going to give you the right kind of mindset to be able to figure out solutions because then you're used to going out and researching and learning. So yeah. that's one of my biggest tips is learn, make yourself smarter. I don't think it's possible to lead without continuously learning the two go hand in hand, so to speak. I would agree with you actually. And I think that's missed a lot. I think that's why a lot of people manage and don't lead. 
unfortunately, a lot of people, when they think of learning, they think of it from a technical functional perspective. Like I did when I first went the management, I needed to learn everything that there was about talent development. Mm -hmm. But if you overemphasize the technical end and you're managing people, you're limiting your capacity to lead. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) 100%. That is very, very true. I like that. That's pretty much all I have to say about it. Fire the jerk and learn. My thanks to Catherine McCord. If you'd like to learn more about Catherine, go to the show notes. And if you have a question or comment, go to unlabelleadership.com, click the message icon, and leave a voicemail message for up to one minute. I'd like to thank those who contribute to the show. Your donations makes a difference because this is a volunteer service. I'd like to thank you for listening. This is Gary DePaul. Until next time, lead on.